right here we are here we are welcome back welcome back science in between yes with scott and ollie i feel like this we should have like some sort of like i don't know we have intro music and outro. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should have a jingle or something. Mm-hmm. No, no. I'm, I'm thinking. Well, if it involves us singing the jingle, then I definitely no. am oh, anti-jingle. Oh, no. no. What we what we should really have is like a trumpet riff as our oh. as our intro outro music. Little no. Ollie original trumpet mm. riff. Wow, I think you're overstating my talent, friend. Okay. Well, we could just we could do mouth trumpet. That would be almost yeah. as good. Which is what you just did right there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, a little mouth trumpet. <laughs> mouth trumpet. Um, so let's just jump in because I think you know some of our listeners they like are like, come on, just get to it, and others are like, come on. We we love the 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 witty banter at the beginning of the show, and then others are like, I could do with less of the quote unquote witty banter. At the beginning of the show. Well, here we are talking about the witty banner. So the witty well, that, banner but the witty that's banner. a third group of people who like the uh, weird digressions into whatever, uh, into the meta sure. talk about the podcast itself. Yes. I, I don't know what's wrong with those folks, but they, no, need, I mean, they need help. In fairness, if you're listening at all, you're a bit deranged. But, you know. So we 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 just finished up um, with some professional development last week. Like you you did some in uh, in the Pittsburgh area, and and I did some in the uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania area. Um, and what we did was we had groups of folks come together, and you know we're we're really trying to set the stage for uh, some professional learning communities around you know ambitious science teaching and the next generation science standards. And you know these are the folks who are going to be working with teachers in schools. And so last I guess last week at the, in our episode we talked a little bit about. Um, logical fallacies. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I've been interested about this because my son's taking a, an English composition course, a college mm. in the classroom, like, a, well, not really a college, it's a dual enrollment. So he's taking it at Millersville, but he's still, a, you know, a senior at, in high school. So he's trying to like get some credits ahead of time. And uh, one of the things he had to do was identify logical fallacies and to make sure he made a, you know, an argumentative, you know, paper mm-hmm. that didn't include any logical fallacies. Right. And so- Um, so we're reviewing them and talking about them. And I was thinking about, you know, how, you know, we, in our work with not only these folks at the, at the IU, but also with teachers, we encounter a good bit of these, you know? And I think it's, it's just, I think it's anytime people try to, you know, find reasons to poke holes in, in things, especially Mm -hmm. things that are like change oriented, right? Because people resist change. Um, and and there's a ton of these. So like if you're interested, you know, just Google logical fallacies and you could find a bunch of them. Um, but I thought we'd pull out a, a couple of them and just talk about like how, you know, you know, how we see them or how we, you know, they present themselves in our work with, um, you know, teachers and professional developers and, and all that, because we do, we, fi- we face them, you know, like, like one that stands out to me is um, like the slippery slope argument, right? So, you know, the slippery yeah, slope, the old yeah, slippery slope, slippery slope that, you know, it's it, and most people know what the slippery slope is. But, you know, it's it's like if if this thing happens, then all these little incremental things are going to happen. That's eventually right. going to cause like great big destruction, you know, yep. or some cataclysmic event. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I think this is one that's pretty pressing with our work um, because they always you know, they go 
well, if we teach phenomenon-based science and we just are basing it on their explanations, you know, their own explanations, then these kids are never going to learn science, you mm. know? You know, yeah. it's like, and then we're going to have this whole group of citizens that are just never going to know the difference between sodium and chlorine and, you know, mm. and all, and it, like, <laughs> unlike what we have now, <laughs> but that, I mean, but that's what, yeah. what this, this, no, no, this, I'm, I hear you. And we have that, like we get that argument a lot, right. Or that they're going to fail tests, right. Like they're just going to. Yeah. You know, yeah. As if we're doing so great on those, you know? right? As if we're crushing the exams, um, right? And as if the exams are what we want as the right. Oh, that's another. That's another logical fallacy. That's the. You go. you know, You've I, already I think, skipped to a new one. Well, no, you did. <laughs> uh, but I think that that is that. Um, you know, that is one that I think. You know, there's we have to like fight against that because we have to like push back on the fact that, you know, just because kids are making, you know, and I think that our work with the the Brookings, not the, you know, using the Brookings Institute, that, that conversation yeah. that we've been having, that's one that I think really comes back to, to folks. So like the argument we make is that, you know, if we help kids to, to make explanations and the evidence-based explanations and evaluate evidence-based explanations, that there are going to be better you know, armed and in and ready to evaluate misinformation that they encounter in life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe they won't know, you know, sodium and chlorine or whatever, but they'll have they'll be better positioned to evaluate the in- misinformation they encounter in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder they're going to learn uh, sodium and chlorine, right? <laughs> they're still going <laughs> to maybe, yeah, but I'm, it's an interesting. Like, I wonder if there's a logical fallacy. I haven't looked through the list here to see about like how like arguing from different premises it's probably not a logical fallacy but it you know just like the idea that um you know that what you just said which is what we get as a response like oh they'll never know x whatever x is some piece of science content and we argue back like well it's not about x it's about the process of getting to x that matters um, but those are arguments from different premises, right? Like right. one is premised on the idea that science is this body of facts. And one is premised on this idea that science, science is a practice is that leads to facts or understandings. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's a, that's a logical fallacy, but it's certainly a thing that we, we fight against, um, because there is this sense that like, well, I know what it means to know science and it's to know the difference between sodium and chlorine. Yeah. So just because you know that, then, you yeah. know, science, and then you're not really, you know, armed to like, you know, take apart any of the misinformation that you, you know, encounter. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that Brookings Institute conversation came up in, in our session, you well, know, you should probably talk a little bit about what that is for folks who. Well, so what, what we did was we built this, you know, this presentation, this, uh, you know, maybe hour and a half uh, presentation around, um, you know, being able to uh, confront misinformation, like, and so what I, I ask, what we ask, you know, uh, the participants to do is to say, okay, if your if your kids, your students, you know, were confronted with some information, how how confident are they that they'd be able to, um, you know, identify it and also logically, you know, refute it? Mm. And most, and we ask them on a scale of one to ten, you know, to 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 do this. Um, and they're usually pretty low. And this is where we've had some pretty interesting conversations mm-hmm. with folks in terms of, you know, that was where the um, 
being able to taste um, uh, soy sauce. We should oh, be able yeah. to taste soy sauce. <laughs> that that conversation. Yeah, yeah, well, it's yeah. like like the yeah. t- Tide Pods and all this, right? Yeah. It's like yep. all this crazy stuff that kids believe in because they saw it on TikTok or they saw it. But the Brookings Institute did this, and we could probably put a link to this. They put this, um, did a big, huge study on podcasts, podcast episodes, specifically political podcast episodes, and saw what was the rate of misinformation that appeared in these podcast episodes. And it was like really surprising how often, you know, misinformation or, you know, yeah, just, just a, a whole, I don't want to call them lies because, you know, I'm sure from some perspective, you know, they could appear to be close to true. I guess. <laughs> I mean, some of them have kernels of truth in them. That's another one we sure. should look for on the list. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> kernels of truth. Um, but yeah, right. They're, they're misrepresented at the very least. Right. And, so yeah. Yeah. And so they 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 talk about in this in this uh Brookings Institute report that, you know, what we have to do is help people better recognize those and be able to find and research that information and like really think about like and that's what you know what we're trying to do is to help students make evidence-based arguments and to evaluate others' evidence-based arguments and evaluate the evidence that people bring. And and that's um and that's not something on the slippery slope that those things are going to like <laughs> cause the great destruction of our society. <laughs> no. Mm, um, the slippery slope. The slippery slope. But the, another one that I thought um, going down the list was appeal to authority as if like mm. there's some higher power, higher power, you know, and this is where I think we get a lot of the, you know, colleges don't teach like this or colleges, you know, don't right. want us to teach like this. Yeah. you know, or universities and we work in universities, right? Yeah. So there's this, you know, person out there, this authority figure, which is the college. And this is, it's always like the, the college science professor, you know, mm-hmm. who's like, yeah, this is, this is not the way to teach. This is not the way we want you to teach. And right. so, yeah. so having that person out there, you know, right. And they're usually imaginary and sometimes they're actually, um, described by their students coming back to them and saying, you did such a great job preparing me for X university, right? Like, right. It, I, I did. I'm so good at science now that at Millersville and Penn state, I'm just crushing it in those right. science classes. And it's like, okay, so that's a, that's another that's, logical fallacy that I pointed out. That's the, the Texas sharpshooter. Oh, yes. Okay. The so Texas the Texas are, I didn't even know this. Was, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like I, I, so I, I so this went is through all, like reasoning back from the result or something, or so it's like shooting at something and then having the target, drawing the Painted target on at, after, after, right? So you must have hit the target, right? Yeah. Not even to like talk about like the thousands of ones you might have missed, right? You yeah. know. <laughs> Nice. Oh, that one. Texas sharpshooter. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, because we we have that, like we we have like probably hundreds of students who just decide they're not going to major in science, right? Like, because right. they hated it or they're not good at it because of the way we teach it. Yeah. And they're like, okay, yeah, this is not for me. But that one kid who comes back and says, you, you know, you really yeah. prepared me for, you know, Penn State or yeah. you know, my college engineering class or whatever, yeah. that obviously we must be doing a very good job. And right. yeah. 
You're like, yeah, but what about the other 97% of the kids who don't come back and tell you how great right. you job? You don't remember any of them. Right. You don't use them as evidence. Yeah. That's definitely a Texas sharpshooter. That's good. I like that. Yeah, I like that one too. You know, I think like there's, 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 uh, uh, there's so many of these. So I <laughs> like the, there's a hasty generalization so that oh, when they, yeah. when they like just learn what this is and they're just like, yeah, that wouldn't work with my students. Yeah. That, that wouldn't work with my, my kids or, or yeah. in my school, you know, and they're yeah. just like one day into it and they're already armoring up. You right. know, my kids are too distractible. They would be, they'd be right. off task the whole time. They'd never be able to do this. Or, you know, that wouldn't work because my, my kids are so darn, you know, capable or they're so oh, like, really? Bound get for like, no, but like, I think that some of our like really, so we, I get this, I get this a lot with like our, our folks who are working in like, like AP environments or yeah, with yeah. like with I, the AP like, or IB. Right. And they're like going, okay, well, if I introduce this kind of stuff, you know, that th- this just wouldn't work with those kids. Cause that's what, not what those kids want or need or whatever. Right. And it's like, oh no, 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 they need it too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sometimes they need it more, right? Because they have the self confidence that they're right, even when they're not. So that's the that's the thing that you got to watch out for with those kids. But yeah, yeah, interesting, I, I, right? And then, um, you know, there's there's the genetic fallacy, like it's the, oh, yeah. the that's the thing that like since it came from PDE like the poison like, tree, right? Element. It's yeah. like, Oh, well, you know, I don't trust anything that comes from yeah. PDE. PDE God, they haven't done, they haven't done anything good in, in 30 years. I've been right. teaching. Yeah. 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 Wait, is there a logical fallacy for the, um, I don't know if this is logical fallacy or just not very good reasoning, but you know, the sort of, um, Oh, this is just the cycle, right? So we get the, uh, the pendulum swinging of, now we're doing more inquiry and now we're doing less inquiry and now we're doing more inquiry. And, you know, so the new math sort of argument that the new math is just the old, old math. And then we had the, in between, we had the old math and I don't know if there's a logical fallacy there, but that's one we certainly get that like, right. Yeah. yeah. We've heard this. Yeah. 20 years ago, they came to us and they said, Oh, it's all got to be inquiry in classrooms. And now here we are again, hearing all about science and engineering practices. And it's just inquiry relabeled as a new thing. Well, I'm sure that's like probably reflects a bunch of them. You know, like I'm not an expert about these logical fallacies. No. But to kind of, I'm just, I think what it, what more than anything for me, because I was having this conversation with my son, is just that I was like going, oh, I, I started to see them in a lot of places. Right. Mm, yeah. So that's why it was interesting for me, not because I have like all of this, you know, we need to get like some sort of, you know, philosophy or argumentative person, like who's the debate folks who you know are have like oh, all kinds right. of expertise yeah, with yeah. this right you know? yeah yeah i'm just seeing divine fallacy that's an that's an interesting one too that we this is one that i don't think we see with our teachers but is certainly something that we see in science as an argument in science is um this idea that like something is so amazing that it must have been created by a superior divine agency it couldn't have just developed right. the way it did like this is the the classic argument against evolution right which is like well humans couldn't have just happened like somebody had to design us um because we're so amazing and spectacular and unique and sentient and all the things right yeah mm. 
Yeah, like there's the anecdotal evidence fallacy. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the, I think that's probably wrapped in the, uh, the one where, you know, somebody's like, well, it works for what I do works for my students because, you know, Bobby came home from Penn State. So that's right. like an anecdotal evidence thing. So it's know? a sharpshooter and an anecdotal. Oof. I think it probably could fit in. A, you could probably make du- it a double fallacy. Argument. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think, you know, one of the things to talk about, at least with this is, um, you know, where where this fits in our our larger ecosystem of how we think about stuff. Sure. And which is to say that this is part of the reason that both in our professional learning experiences with when we're working with folks and with kids in science classrooms, you want to have people talk through their ideas and then ask them questions about it. Cause that's how you can get them to understand and recognize when they're making their own fallacious sort of arguments, right. Is to press them for evidence. Did you say felicious? Did, yeah. Is that the word? All right. Isn't, isn't that a word? I, I don't know. Fallacy like is fallacious. Seems, fallacious. Seems, yeah. Seems like a natural. Well, I think, you know, I think that our conversations around like how people's, you know, we did that, you know, how people change their minds. So that, yeah, like, sure. That, that book that we read and that we talked about. Yeah. Um, McRaney's book on how minds change. Yeah. How minds change. That's right. I was drawing a blank on that. But that book to me, really opened my eyes on how to like engage people in ways to get them to think. Cause it's, it comes back to, yeah, these are arguments that they're ar- going to armor up against us, yeah. right. Yeah. With us people coming in. But if, if we're trying to like debate with them, then we lose. Yeah. But if we can get them to debate with themselves. Right. Right. And to yeah. like really evaluate their own arguments. Right. And that's where, you know, the, you know, the dance comes from, like, you know, that's where you as a facilitator have to start to like, think about, okay, how do we get folks to evaluate their own claims, right? And dig into the claims they make and, and then work to change their own mind. Like how confident are they? Yeah. They're confident about that one kid who comes back, but what about the 30 other kids who don't come back who, you know, or the kids who are struggling, struggling in their class because they, you know, aren't you know, engaging with science that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it, it, um, you know, it, um, maybe this is logical fallacy begs the question, but it, it, uh, it, it has this point of like, well, maybe there are structures that we can think about that can help us navigate logical fallacies that we're dealing with. Right. This is sort of the back pocket question universe of right. of professional learning or or of science learning. Like, okay, if somebody's oh look, there's the homunculus fallacy. Oh. <laughs> you're oh. just looking at it, you're like, oh look at that. <laughs> I like that word, homunculus. I don't get to say it often enough. And and what does that one do? What's that? What's uh, it uses a middleman for ex, uh, uh, explanation. Uh. This sometimes leads to regressive middlemen explains a concept in terms of the concept itself without explaining its real nature. Explaining thought as something produced by a little thinker, a homunculus inside the head, simply identifies an intermediary actor and does not explain the product or process of thinking. So hmm. actually that that's really interesting because you could argue that a lot of what we say about science, uh, the way it's currently taught is exactly that, right? 
So you're not explaining the product or process. You're just giving it, you're just giving it a little name. You're you're just naming it. You're this little homunculus. Like sodium is just a little homunculus. I'm going to say that word a bunch more times now. I I couldn't say it. I'm not going to say it. No, not even gonna try. Okay. You know, you know me and that's true. My my mumble, you know. Oh, then there's another one here. If by whiskey, I don't even know what that means, but I just I, like the I, title I, of it. It's like <laughs> if by whiskey, an argument that supports both sides of an issue using terms that are emotionally sensitive and ambiguous. Wow. Do you have an example of that? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Um. When I finished the first half of the speech, there's a tremendous burst of applause. The second half of the speech, after the close of which, the wets all applaud, applauded in the dry. So this is about this is where it came uh, from. Uh, so like prohibition. Yeah. yeah, it was prohibition. Sure. Well, I, I will say the one thing that I do know. I don't know how to, you know, refute all of these logical fallacies. No. But I will say this, the way you don't do it is by identifying it as a logical fallacy. Right. No. Hey, that's a straw and man t- argument. And telling somebody that, <laughs> and t- yes. And t- like I was in an, an academic email chain recently Ooh. in which like somebody called out somebody else as, for a straw man argument. Yeah. Like literally that's what happened. You know, they were like, that is a straw man argument. And, and I was like, uh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the rest of this thread is not going to go well. <laughs> no, it is not. But because what happens is people are going to armor up, yeah. right? Yeah. And so this is what this is exactly McRaney's book, right? right. Is that, that you challenge your ideas, you know, and try to play ball by, you know, going to them and saying, okay, your argument is unsound and here are the seven reasons why. <laughs> You know, or point out the logical fallacies. Hey, you have made all of these mistakes right. in your logic. You know, here's how bad you are at arguing. Right. You. <laughs> yes. Uh, your that's logic why you is should so, listen to me. Yeah, your logic is so unsound. Here, let me help you. Let you me know? help you, poor little baby, with your bad reasoning. <laughs> I've been on the Wikipedia page all day looking at fallacies, and I'm going to just tear you up. And I'm just going to point them out for you. Look at you. No. Look at Mr. Fallacy over there sitting on his happy chair with his little uh, fallacies. Yeah, I, I can see us having that conversation with a, a teacher, you know, and, and that going really well, yeah. right? But I think that recognizing them is is important because they are pretty prevalent in, you know, the our work with, with teachers. But what, what it does is it, it more than anything to me shows that the the need to like use these this type of you know instruction not just as like pedagogy but also as process for our professional development that's the thing mm. we've been trying to do with our professional development is like you know rather than just like go and talking to them and giving them you know 6 hours of a presentation we actually have them do this stuff you know and it's not just doing the stuff with like science, but doing the stuff with like the authentic practice that they're going to engage with. You know, it's like, okay, yep. you're going to have to produce this, work it out, figure it out. Like, how do you do this? And like really getting them to, you know, argue and sense make together. That yep. t- to me is where the power lies. And yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, well, I mean, again, really what we have here is a list Right. And you love the list. I do not like the list. So, you know, I mean, having a taxonomy, an exhaustive taxonomy of logical fallacies is nice and it helps in some respects. 
but it's sort of like the you know one of historically now i'm gonna be old man scott for a minute historically <laughs> uh science education had a period where it was doing a lot of work around misconceptions where it was cataloging all the right. kinds of misconceptions that kids could have and again Okay, that's pretty so pervasive. We, that is pervasive, bro. It is that pervasive. Is. It's still well, the concept of misconceptions, I don't think there's still uh, an effort to categorize and, and and catalog them like there used to be. Now there's there's still a lot of instruments that draw on that literature to to sure. make make up uh you know some sort of measure of some understanding of some area of science. But my point is like that that misconceptions literature didn't really lead anywhere because this massive catalog of misconceptions doesn't help very much in terms of thinking about how you design instruction. Um, Because all that means is that the kids in your class may have really diverse ideas about how something works, right? Because there's lots of different kinds of misconceptions. So So again, the goal isn't necessarily the list, but I think what this points to, this big list points to, is that there are lots of ways that people reason poorly Um, And and this goes to McRaney's point, too. Right. And that a lot of that one of the core ideas there and there, you know, there's there's uh, there's other scholars who've done this work, um, uh, Kahneman and Tversky's work on, you know, the system one, system two, thinking the fast and slow thinking, thinking fast and slow book. Um, But that idea that humans are really good at finding patterns quickly, but. But all that does is create the list of patterns, and then you have to talk with each other to figure out which patterns are really there, because our reasoning leads us down these bad paths a lot. But the idea is that the solution to that isn't to try and make ourselves perfect reasoners, because we're not going to be that. The 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 solution there is to engage with other people, because they're going to have reasoned differently and probably badly in different ways. But all those different ways of of reasoning badly together end up with something that's more reasonable. So, um, so the list is useful, but uh, uh, but it's not going to solve your problem exactly. Well, it goes back to the the wisdom of crowds, right? Yeah, that's sure. the you know, which yeah. is another book that yep. people should check out if they're really interested. You know, yeah, yeah, and the premise of that basically is like, okay, if you have a jar of jelly beans on the on the front desk and you ask everybody in the room to make an estimate of how many jelly beans there are in the, well, very few, if any of the individuals will get it right in the class. But if you take the average and you look across all of the estimates, the average is pretty close, Close. if not right on to what the actual number is. So this idea again of like, you know, you're, we're much better in groups than we are as individuals, but we have created Lots of things in our society that that um, support the idea that what we want is, you know, these these individual geniuses who do all this work on their own. And it's sort of like, you know, that's first of all, that talk about a fallacy. That's not a that's not a true thing. But also that um, that that's not the way you get the best ideas is by, you know, the what you get then is the Unabomber. Right. <laughs> wow. Just that's a, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. There you go. Just calling it out. Just calling it out. You lock an academic in a cabin in the woods for 10 years, and you know what you get? 
somebody who writes a screed that doesn't make any sense at no, all. No, your your argument was that if we have we focus on the individual, then we get unibombers. That's <laughs> I that don't was, think that, I think no, I think you just did a logical fallacy. No, know. that was just you putting what yours I said out. like that was a slippery slope. You just made it a slippery slope. I no, I identified that. it as a slippery slope. No, you. no, you didn't. You <laughs> you, you you exaggerated <laughs> it into a slippery slope. Uh yeah, yeah. Well, this is yeah. that this is an example of how pointing out the logical this is fallacy. A, Fallacy smackdown. <laughs> this it doesn't work. It, all it does is like, no, you said, no, no you no, said, you said, <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong and you're uh, you're using kettle logic. <laughs> oh, you're using if by whiskey and homunculus fallacy. Yes, I just you're just throwing ones around now. Yeah. I just That's... that would be fun to just sit in a in one of those professional learnings and while people are talking, just yell out fallacies. <laughs> Super slow. Super slow. <laughs> That's historical fallacy. That's a false dilemma. Oh, that's a moralistic <laughs> fallacy. <laughs> yes, right. that would go well. Let I me mean, just say. everybody would love it. Best professional yeah. development ever. Right. I learned, I learned so many fallacies at that professional right. development. <laughs> or just hold up signs, you know? <laughs> oh, that'd be good. <laughs> oh, that, you know, what we should do is, is go to conferences and hold up signs with logical fallacies. Oh. That would be great. So Ollie's speaking and you hold up uh, begging the question. <clears throat> You're begging the question. Yeah. I, let me just say that's not going to go well. You, no. You, you probably actually have a physical altercation. They would escort us out. They yeah. would. Not till, not till after the physical altercation, but yeah. Fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good times. Yeah. Logical fallacies. Violence is not the solution. Is that a fallacy? Uh, um. Maybe. Probably. Maybe it should be one. Maybe that'll and, be that'll be the Dreyana McDonald fallacy. But it, it, it's not doesn't needs a catchier name. It needs a violence. It's not a solution fallacy. Yes, cherry picking. So, cherry pick. There's lots. There's lots. There's so many good ones. There's like, like twenty pages of fallacies. There are appeal to pity, wishful well, I, thinking. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> but I think what more than anything, what it does is it it shows how. Uh, how flawed people's logic can be yeah. you know and that what we we aren't good at like making good reasoned arguments especially when it takes like because our emotions get caught up in it right so we really find ways to you know tap into our emotion to like just push back and and i think that again comes back to well if we had more education to support this you know, more places where kids can develop evidence-based arguments and examining evidence and saying what makes good evidence and what makes good arguments based on evidence, mm-hmm. that some of these fallacies would, you know, one, we'd be able to identify them more easily, and then maybe it would, you know, reduce the, the impact of them. I don't know. That's, yeah, well, that, I mean. That might just mean me wishful thinking, you know? Yep, there you are, wishful yeah. thinking fallacy guy. Um yeah. Well, but I, you know, if you go back and think about, you know, Francis Bacon, who arguably sort of invented the scientific method, like one of the one of the things that he he was known to have said is that scientific thinking is is not a normal form of thinking. Mm, it requires right. training. It is not the way our brains naturally work. It requires us to think in ways that are much more structured and much different than when we typically think. And I think 
you know, there, there, that's another argument. I don't know. This is probably a fallacy too, but that's another argument for, um, for why we need kids to actually engage with these things and, and do the thinking themselves and do the arguing themselves because they have to learn it. It's an unnatural form of thinking. It's not our natural mode. Our natural mode of thinking is either the fast or the slow version, but neither of those is exactly scientific. It's just one slightly more analytical and thoughtful, but the scientific definitely lives in the system two thinking the slower version where we're a little more reasonable, but that doesn't mean that we aren't making rational and, and logical fallacies in, in system two, because we are, because we're always doing it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Logical fallacies. Logical fallacies. We'll we'll put some links in there if you if people want to like, you know, take a look at their logical fallacies and you know maybe point out some ones we might have yeah. missed. Yeah, you, I I'd, I'd recommend trying it with a spouse or a close friend first. That's a good it's <laughs> a good way to really build yes. your relationship. Mm, yeah, yeah. I could, I could see me you know one night you know over dinner saying to the missus, "Well, that's a straw man argument right there." <laughs> Misses. Uh, that would go so well. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's an illicit minor right there that you're using. I think you want to rethink that idea. Yeah, you need to yeah. reevaluate yeah. your evidence right there. Pass the potatoes. Well, Mrs. that's an awfully hasty generalization you're making there. Well, look at me. <laughs> I think you're double counting right there. I noticed that. That's a ad hominem. Oh, uh, there's a that lot of was, laughter. That was good. I mean, lots of laughter yeah, in this it, episode, and most you know? of it by us. Everybody else is probably <laughs> asleep at this point. No, they they turned us off long ago, yeah. my friend. <laughs> well, let's try. Some folks no, jump ahead to joys, so we should probably get to the joys. Yeah, they came to this section. Um, you want to go first? Sure, sure. Um, sure I do. have, I have a uh, a joy that the Adam Grant. Um, book the new Adam Grant book. Um, what is it? Hidden Potential. Um, just came out last week, and uh, yeah. I started reading it about, about like maybe like ten twenty percent into the book, and it's awesome. And what I would say is this: um, I'm a huge Adam Grant fan. I've read a bunch of his books. This is probably the one that is it's one probably a little more personal than some of the other books that mm-hmm. I've read from him. And I the other part I think is like. If if it continues on with like the way it's it's going, I think this should be required reading for every teacher, every parent. Really, um, because I I think so because it. So first off, like it, you know, he always brings lots of evidence to it, um, sure. to his you know his his books, which I think is great. But I think the other part about it is that um, it's it digs into how do we support learners in various environments? How do we you know, uh, support the struggle, right? Because mm-hmm. we all have this, what you know, this hidden potential in us. But how do we um, parent and teach in ways to kind of like uncover that or help people uncover that? And I think it would, you know, yeah, it would challenge some myths that people have about what you know greatness is and what success is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would also probably relieve some stress and anxiety that folks have, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, helping people tap into their their potential or helping them recognize where their potential lies or the ways to get into it, um, I think could be 
is powerful and it it you know he covers a lot of territory from procrastination well this is just in the first like chapter and a half that i've read there's like a, a pretty you know sizable prologue and then there's the you know chapter one and that's about how far like midway through chapter two um but it's like I'm like going, oh, I want to share this chapter with my my pre-service teachers. I, I you know, I just mm. want to like like hear he, like this is or the the parents that I know who are like just stressing because their kid isn't you know in like all the college prep classes yeah. or isn't taking all the APs isn't classes. Gonna... Yes, <clears throat> yep. you know, and and not that you know he's saying that 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 stuff isn't important but i think what he does is he has a different take on how how we as parents or as teachers or you know or as individuals like us evaluating our our own successes and our own yeah. potential you know um yeah i think that it's 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 a it's great it's a so far it's been a very great book and i'm um i'm really enjoying it i've i've enjoyed his other books too and i listen to his podcast pretty regularly but um yeah i'm enjoying this nice Good one. Yeah. I did. I hadn't even heard of that one, and I do listen to his podcast, so I must have missed it somehow. Yeah, he just had a like it was last week's episode on his work life podcast. He and Malcolm Gladwell sat down and you know oh, talked about the book, well, and so that's like like to me like the greatness of two of my favorite podcasters coming together on the same stage. You know? they all it all leads back to Malcolm Gladwell. Just, yeah, you know he, he he set up this whole genre. That now everybody else just publishes in. Yeah. And well, I would say that some folks, uh, they don't like Malcolm Gladwell a whole lot because they think mm. that he, you know, cherry picks a lot to form mm-hmm. his own argument. And I don't oh, think Adam Grant's fallacies. that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But I think that's the main argument that people have against Malcolm Gladwell is they, that he only chooses certain pieces of evidence that fit his argument. And then there's other things that maybe refute that, that he doesn't really consider because it doesn't fit his argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that uh, Adam Grant like lays it out a little bit more and he doesn't, um, he has a definitely a narrative and a point he's trying to make, but he's also willing to say, okay, well, you know, well that, you know, the evidence isn't overwhelming on this, but the, there is, you know, he, he kind of does, you know, a little bit more thoughtful academic approach to it, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's no, just well, my take. I mean, he's an academic, right? And, he is. And, he's absolutely. And Gladwell he's an is, right? Yeah. Gladwell is right. a journalist. Right. So so they sort of uh, stick to their genres in some respect to say that, right? right? To say like, yeah. okay, he doesn't, you know, journalists don't try to gather all the evidence and make their argument airtight. They just want to tell a story that's compelling and get people interested. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Choice for you, my friend. Um, well, I'm going to, mine's going to be sort of like yours was, was it last week or two weeks ago? Um, a couple of weeks ago you were talking about, um, you know, just adult children growing up and, um, and then you had one on autumn too, right? So right. You, you've had some, you've had a couple of abstract ones. So this one's a little abstract too, but, um, it's about making things yourself. And I know you do this with ice cream mm. and many other things, but, but specifically, I know you're a, you're an inveterate ice cream tinkerer. Tinker. Um, but, um, but one of the things that I did over the last, it's been, it's been an epic journey. I'll just say that um, over the last year and a half, maybe is I've uh, built a deck onto the back of our house and um, I've found it, frustrating a lot um 
But one of the things I have liked about it, besides the fact that a finished product is is rewarding, is it, it's one of those very unacademic tasks that you have to solve problems and you have to figure stuff out. Um, but it's on a much different level and you end up with something that's interesting and your own at the end. Um, so I think that's, uh, I think everybody needs that, but I think particularly people who do quote unquote knowledge work and this, I think includes teachers. I think having a, having a hobby, having a thing that you do, um, that has a more immediate impact on the world and and brings you joy and lets you solve problems that are that don't have consequences necessarily for other human beings i think that there's a lot to be said for that so um so i've you know i'm just gonna i'm not recommending that you build a deck on your house or that you start an ice cream hobby uh but i do recommend that you pick up a you know a hobby that that you like doing that preferably involves you you know, your hands and your brain, but in a very different way than you typically use. Yeah. And I, the other thing I would I re- recommend, and I was, I saw a presentation uh, last week at a conference. And so it was somebody, it was a tech uh, presentation. It wasn't a tech conference, but it was a tech pre- presentation. Mm. And, and the person's like, yeah, like I do a lot of technology in my, my day job, but yeah. all of my hobbies are analog. And I was like, mm. oh, yeah. And that's and that's where I think my my hobbies lie too, or in yeah. analog type things like reading. Even though I read on an iPad most of the time, but um, you know, reading, playing music, making stuff. You know, those are analog. You yeah. know, and and I think that's that a good, with that's the, a good point, right? With the amount of time that so many of us spend on computers, I think finding hobbies and you know activities that take us away from that, I think would probably be good. Yeah. You know? I agree. I mean, I do think that's that's a nice way to think about it is not just doing stuff with your hands, but things that are analog. Cooking is another one of my favorite oh, ones. Yeah. But but uh but yeah, I mean I I wouldn't say I'm the handiest guy on the planet. Um, but you know, the nice thing about something like a deck is it doesn't have to be perfect. It's an outdoor thing. It's it's right. it just know, has to be stable. That's right. It. it just has to not fall down and you have to be able to sit on it. Um so the and all the things that aren't right, mostly I'm the only one who notices them because right. you know everybody else is like, eh, it's just a deck, I'm just sitting out here. Yeah, we're far more critical of our own work than we are of others. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, on that happy uh, note. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Finishing the joy with that little, you know, doom nugget. Ad hominem <laughs> attack on. <laughs> yes. Well, that was yeah. fun. Logical fallacies was a fun conversation. Yes, it was. And, and we'll catch you next time. In between. See you then. I know.